to this Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. Episode number 42. Macro photography could never be covered totally in just one podcast episode. I'm currently planning two episodes of which this is the first with the second to follow next week and still I'm really only going to be able to scratch the surface. The reasons for this are that uh, I'll probably bore the listeners uh, that have no interest in macro photography silly harping on about it for more than uh, just one or two weeks. But uh, the other thing and the more important reason is that macro photography is such a complex subject that I'm really only probably just scratching the surface of it myself. And I feel confident enough at this point to talk to you about it, um, about the things that I know. Uh, and I'll number these first two episodes, part one and two. But as I gain uh, experience and learn more about this complex subject, I will almost certainly be following up uh, at some point in the future with a part three and probably more than that. I've been shooting with a macro lens since December 2003 when I picked up a Canon EF 100mm f2.8 macro USM lens. My other macro lens that I picked up a few months ago is a Canon MPE 65mm f2.8 1-5x or 1-5x lens. This lens is quite specialised in that it allows you to shoot uh, up to five times greater than one-to-one or life-size, and it has no focusing mechanism to speak of. I'll go into more details on this lens and its use next week, though. To date, the majority of my macro work has been done with the 100mm. This is an incredibly sharp lens for both macro work and also um, it's often discussed as a great portrait lens, too. This can often help to tip the scales when deciding whether or not to buy this lens uh, as it's basically not going to be just limited to just macro work. Firstly, I'd like to explain why I got into macro photography. The initial reason was very simple. I didn't have a car as it's uh, expensive to own a car and to a certain degree uh, not necessary to own a car here in Tokyo. So... In addition to the odd excursion to true places of natural beauty, um, I was fulfilling my desire to make photographs in parks accessible by train around Tokyo. When I went to these parks, I was shooting flowers and bugs with standard lenses such as the 28-135mm to millimeter, uh, f3.5-5.6 to IS lens. The closest focusing distance of this lens though is 50 centimeters, and this gives a maximum magnification of 0.19. So basically 0.2, uh, which is one-fifth, uh, one-fifth the size of life size. And uh, this is pretty standard uh, for a, uh, an, you know, a standard zoom lens. The 100mm macro though was going to allow me to shoot at one-to-one or life size. So I should probably explain what life size is for those that uh, might not be uh, 100% up on this. A piece of 35mm film is 36 by 24mm. Life size means that if you photograph an object of say 1cm, it would appear on the film at exactly 1cm if you measured the film. 
Uh, therefore, if, for example, I shot something that is 36 millimeters wide, it would fill the frame and the film exactly if shot at minimum focusing distance. With a lens that has a maximum magnification of 0.2, however, the 1cm object would be just 2mm on the film and the 36mm object would occupy just 7.2mm on the film. There are other focal length uh, macro lenses available in addition to the 100mm, uh, such as the 50mm f2.5 compact macro lens, but this lens alone only gives you a, a 0.5 magnification. To achieve life-size images with this lens, you need the dedicated life-size converter. There's also a 180mm f3.5 L lens from Canon. All of these focal lengths create an image uh, that is one-to-one, -one, as long as you have the converter for the 50mm, that is. Uh, and the difference with them is the minimum focusing distance or the working distance. For the 180mm uh, 48 centimeters is the closest you can focus uh, to produce a life-size image. The 100 millimeter lens focuses at a minimum distance of 31 centimeters, and the 50 millimeter uh, as close as 23 centimeters. So, as long as you have the life-size converter for the 50 millimeter, uh, all of these lenses will produce a one-to-one -one or a life-size image. Nikon has a similar range uh, and there are also some fine macro lenses available from third-party manufacturers. I suggest if you uh, don't already own a macro lens but are thinking of buying one, um, check out the martinbaileyphotography.com uh, forum and there are a lot of um, threads in there discussing the various lenses and their merits demerits. Also consider uh, how close or how far you need to be from your subject and if possible actually go to a store and try the lenses on your camera to see just how close you can get. Maybe take a few shots of a coin or something that is a consistent size to give you an idea of how large it can be uh, reproduced on the film. I personally find the 100mm to be perfect for most work and although I'd like the 180mm uh, macro lens uh, to give me more working distance, I've not as yet been able to justify the cost or the additional weight over my 100mm lens. The fourth macro lens from Canon, uh, the MP65 f 2.8 times lens, actually starts at life size and magnifies to a maximum of five times that. The lens has a minimum focusing distance uh, of 24 centimeters uh, to 31 centimeters, actually, depending on the magnification. But again, this is quite a specialist uh, lens, so we'll cover it more in more detail next week. Note that when measuring the uh, minimum focusing distance or the working distance of any particular lens, you measure from the film or the sensor, not the end of the lens. When you consider that 100mm lenses, uh, the 100mm lens that I have is uh, almost 12cm long to start with, and then there's probably 3cm or so from the back of the lens to the film, we're probably talking around 15cm to subtract from the working distance to get the distance from the front of the lens to the subject. So that leaves about 16cm. If you consider that the length of the uh, hood for this lens is, uh, I didn't measure, it's probably around, I don't know, 8 to 10 centimetres. Uh, it leaves probably around 7 or 8 centimetres to the subject. Uh, 
So, um, you know, if you are shooting insects uh, on things with any any small animal that has good eyesight, for example, uh, like the jumping spiders, uh, they they can see you coming. They can see you there. So having a very short working distance uh, can make them skittish, and you may well lose your shot. If you look uh, to shoot a lot of insects and not just flowers that don't tend to run away when you get too close, the 180mm might be worth considering, but it is quite a lot more expensive um, than the 100mm. Macro lenses do, of course, uh, not have to be used at uh, one-to-one. You can move away from the subject uh, to make the same artistic decisions on the composition of your shots uh, as you would with any other type of photograph. Another thing to bear in mind is that the closer that you get to your subject, the um, and also the longer the focal length of your lens, the shallower the depth of field will get. This allows you to throw the background out of focus very easily, but with macro photography, obtaining um, a the, the, the depth of field that you require can sometimes be quite difficult, even at very small apertures. I personally, though, prefer images with quite a uh, shallow depth of field, uh, more often than not, that is, so the... Uh, you know, that they have that nice dreamy effect that I like. Let's look at a shot that I made about two years ago, uh, which is shot number 453. For reasons that will become obvious when you view the shot, I call this raggedy moth, uh, as this particular species of moth uh, looks pretty scruffy with its brown colouring and hair. I have the real uh, name of the moth on my website, but I'm not going to embarrass myself by trying to pronounce it here. Although I'd shot lots of flowers in the nine months uh, or so since I bought the 100mm macro lens, this shot of the moth was probably the first shot that I got close to what I was trying to do. Uh, I was hand-holding at 180th of a second, uh, and the aperture was set to f4. At this distance, which I'd say was probably around 15 centimeters from the front of the lens hood, F4 didn't give me much depth of field, but enough to get the head and most of the moth's tentacles and its front legs in focus. The flower on which the moth is perched is also in focus for just a little way, uh, but the top and bottom are way out of focus, along with the background. I was pleased with this shot uh, too because the moth was not bullseyed, uh, that is, you know, it wasn't smack in the centre of the shot. Um, I managed to move it uh, slightly off-centre, and the flower in like a mirror position on the opposite side. Um, they're still pretty much in the center of the shot, but as you'll know uh, if you do macro work, um, it takes a little bit of uh, use to actually focusing on the uh, subject and then recomposing the, Im the image, uh, because it's just, it's just not that easy to focus when you first start. So... When working at close quarters like this, uh, keeping the camera still is more of a task than people might think. I've mentioned the rule of having uh, the focal length as the slowest shutter speed a number of times, and indeed the last image I was using was quite slow, uh, a slow shutter speed looking back. When trying to shoot something that is moving though, uh, the moth in the last shot was not, uh, but when trying to shoot something that's moving, you really do need a faster shutter speed. Even when shooting in bursts, um, you're, you're pretty much not guaranteed to get uh, sharp 
focused or or non-camera shake shots. Uh, so, you know, the, although I do shoot in for inbursts, it's definitely better to just try and get as fast a shutter speed as you can. Uh, often, maybe up to three times more than the uh, focal length. In the spring of 2005, I shot image number 641 of a wasp in flight. And this was probably the first time that I managed to catch something in flight at such close distance. Again, I was shooting handheld, um, and I'd selected an ISO of 400 to get that faster shutter speed. Um, this particular shot was uh, made at 1 250th of a second, again with an aperture of f4. This wasp was, although in flight, it was actually hovering um, for a second or so when I got this shot. Then it flitted around again before settling on uh, the chameleon plant uh, below. I don't have a clue why that flower is called a uh, chameleon plant, by the way, it just is. Uh, you can see again from the relatively small area of the flower that uh, is in, actually in focus that the, the shallow depth of field is definitely something that you'll get um, at this at this close range. So I hope you can appreciate uh, how careful you need to be with both the focus and keeping the camera steady when hand-holding for this kind of shot. People often think that moving the camera from side to side or up and down are the only problems when uh, the only problems at least with relation to camera shake. But the truth is uh, when shooting macro is um, that you actually also move the camera backwards and forwards. Uh, this can be as much, I'd say, a problem as sideways or up and down camera shake um, when shooting macro. Again, especially if you're uh, hand-holding, shooting bursts to increase your chances of getting something usable. Um, and like I said, try to get the uh, shutter speed of twice or three times if possible uh, the focal length of the lens that you're using. One of the main reasons for failure in my first year of macro photography um, was putting too much faith in the focal length to shutter speed rule. Since failing so many times, I uh, now try to, to get a better or a faster uh, shutter speed, at least when I'm hand-holding. So the other thing you can do, of course, is to uh, to use a dedicated macro flash, uh, but that's another thing that we're going to be talking about in more detail next week. The other obvious thing um, is to support your camera on a tripod, although this is not always possible when chasing flying insects uh, such as bees or butterflies around. In image 696, I was using a tripod to shoot this uh, incredibly patient grasshopper. Uh, I wrote in the comments for this image that the grasshoppers seemed to be whispering to me. And I, st I still feel that way looking back, uh, but also um, I, I, I got the feeling that this insect was just being incredibly patient with me. Um, I'm personifying my subjects again here, but uh, you know, I, I kind of get the feeling that he's sitting there looking at me thinking, how much longer do you need? And, you know, can I, uh, can I go now? And that sort of thing. It was uh, just a strange look in his eye. Indeed, though, grasshoppers can be very patient, uh, but if you get too close, they uh, they do what they do best and just hop away. The light was very harsh for this uh, particular shot, and although I have some strong highlights on the far side of the grasshopper, including its almost translucent legs, I, I'm quite happy with the results. Uh, if I had realised the shot was going to be this contrasty, I might have tried throwing some light in either with my flash or with a reflector, 
that I would definitely have been carrying. Uh, but this definitely is something to bear in mind for the future, I think. Uh, this was a relatively large insect and I was shooting slightly diagonally from above. Uh, so I'd selected an aperture of f8 for this shot and I was also using a tripod uh, so the shutter speed was 120th of a second at ISO 100. There was absolutely no wind on this day. If there had been I would have needed to increase the ISO uh, and set a much higher shutter speed just to freeze the subject as uh, the wind would have been blowing the stalk around on which the grasshopper was uh, was clinging. Things to bear in mind when buying a tripod uh, that you'll use for macro work are finding something that can not only uh, be high enough so that you do not have to bend your back for extended periods uh, while uh, spending time focusing etc but also uh, one that goes low enough uh, for you to get down to the height of some of these little critters that you will almost undoubtedly take an interest in once you uh, have your eyes opened uh, to the uh, microcosm that you'll be able to see once you look through a macro lens. It helps if the legs on your uh, tripod will collapse outwards. Um, you know, they're, they're, some of them have a, a switch on the top of the legs so that it allows you to open the legs further than the standard um, sort of, I, I forget the, the degrees, but uh, 30 something degrees I think it is. Um, and also they need to go low enough, you know, the collapse down, the legs collapse down. Four-piece legs actually tend to get a little bit lower than three-piece. Um, and that's the one, that's the type that I have. And also, uh, the thing is, once you start to open the legs up more than the standard uh, angle, you'll find that the center pole will start to hit the ground. So you'll also need to make sure that the center pole is removable. This is actually pretty much essential for macro work, as you'll see in the final shot for this introduction to macro photography, image number 955. I actually showed you this image in podcast uh, episode 32 uh, when I discussed tripods. Many species of flowers grow uh, close to the ground, so to make an image like this where I'm actually looking up at the flower head slightly, I had my camera hanging upside down with the flash shoe about two centimeters from the ground. Uh, I had my tripod legs open to 45 degrees and the uh, center pole inserted upside down in the tripod so that the camera hung upside down. The ability to do this, uh, or some of the ones, I think after the tripod uh, podcast, someone mentioned that you can actually swing the center pole out horizontally on some uh, models now. Uh, but the ability to do something like this uh, to get you down very, very low uh, is, is important. I'd anticipated this need when I bought uh, my current uh, tripod. And I think that you, know, you, you should keep all of these sort of things in mind when deciding what you want to buy if you're currently considering uh, macro photography and you don't let yet have your tripod. Finally today, one more tip based on this uh, image is that there is an easy and relatively cheap way to decrease the working distance uh, and increase magnification to more than life size and that is to use an extension tube that goes between your lens and the camera body. The 100mm lens with a 25mm extension tube is especially a, a nice combination. 
For more information on extension tubes, you can listen to episode 24 of this podcast if you haven't already. This current shot uh, was again made with the 100mm 2.8 f2.8 macro lens, but also using the 25mm extension tube. And the aperture was set to f4 for 160th of a second. Even using the uh, tripod, I'd selected uh, ISO 200 for a fast, uh, a faster shutter speed, as there was a slight breeze. With the extension tube, I was able to get even closer to this uh, tiny blue flower called a common field speedwell, and you can also see how that has affected the depth of field. Uh, which is now so shallow that only the stamen and the t- a tiny portion of the flower's petal and the leaf and the stem, part of the stem, is in focus. One other thing to note is that although extension tubes decrease the minimum focusing distance, they also decrease the maximum focusing distance dramatically too. So you could not simply raise the camera from shooting a flower or a bug at 15 centimeters to shoot, uh, say, I don't know, a UFO that was about to land in a nearby field. Okay, so as I've said, uh, this week's uh, episode has really just scratched the surface of macro photography, uh, touching on some terminology, working distance and shooting single subjects and some precautions that we need to take when doing so. Next week we'll discuss about paralleling your compositions when you have uh, multiple subjects that you want in focus and we'll also discuss some more macro uh, techniques such as using dedicated flash and a second flash to eliminate the background and also going greater than life size and the difficulties, the difficulties that that imposes on us. Please remember that uh, this is the last week to post your entries for the rainy days assignment which closes on june 25th if you haven't already posted your entry please take a look at the details in the assignment forum and if you didn't listen to the original podcast on the assignment but would like to give it a try there's still a few more days left so please go back to episode 37 for more details so thank you very much for listening today and i hope this has been of some interest and of some use and listen out uh, next week for the second part but until then have a great week whatever you're up to bye bye